Hello, everybody. You're listening to the Q&E Podcast. You're here with your boy Quincy Hicks right now. Here, my man, Edgar. Edgar, tell the people what's good. What's up, everybody? Can't wait to get into these podcast topics with y'all. It's been a long week. Let's get into it. Yes, sir. If you don't know, the Q&E Podcast is a primarily sports podcast, but we will be breaking into entertainment, shows, things like that. I got a couple ideas in mind right now, so in the coming weeks, definitely be on the lookout for that. Before we get into these topics, I just want to give a huge, huge prayer to Cassius Winston and his family. Um, recently, or last week, his brother got hit by a train, man. And um, I know they're going through a tough time over there. His brother was only 19, so he still had a long life to live, man. So definitely, definitely unfortunate. So I just want to give a huge prayer to them. He was a basketball player as well, so I just want to give a huge prayer to them. Hopefully everything goes by fine. But in this episode, we will be talking NBA, MLB. We're talking a little bit of college basketball, what we've seen from the past week. But first, we're going to talk about the breaking news, what everybody's talking about right now. Today is Thursday, if you didn't know, and we Mellow is the breaking news. Edgar, let me know your thoughts. I, I'm happy that he's on the roster. So let me say that first. I am happy that Carmelo Anthony is on an NBA roster. He definitely deserves to be. But I'm not going to fall under the mellow hype that everyone else is falling under right now. I don't think he's anywhere near as good as most of these fans think. I don't think he's going to create that big of a difference in Portland. And everybody's going to say I'm crazy for saying this because it's mellow and you got to respect them and everything. True. It's, it has nothing to do with that. We got to respect them now. It's the simple fact that. The man still cannot play defense. I can't remember the last time I've seen Melo play good or great defense whatsoever. Never. And scoring-wise, he just, the past three, four seasons, he has not scored the ball effectively at all, and that's unlike Melo. So Mm. I I just don't believe the hype. Yeah, Melo's biggest problem, uh, especially these last few years, has been shooting efficiently. I feel like every time I look at a box score, Melo shoots 4 for 17. He's been doing it for the past two years with OKC, with the Thunder, and I'm pretty sure this is gonna, how it's going to be with Portland. Um, it's a need. It was definitely a need for Portland because Zach Collins just went out with an injury, but I don't think Melo would be a difference maker. I definitely have to agree with Eggert, but I got to re- put respect on Melo's name. Melo is still a legend, but he's just at the back end of his career. And we all got to come think, to facts with that. Do you think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer? See, I have different takes, bro. If this was a harder Hall of Fame to get into, then no. I would say no. But since this is the NBA Hall of Fame and I feel like everybody gets in, yes, he will be a Hall of Famer. First ballot, yes. First ballot? First ballot. I, I think T-Mac was a uh, first ballot. And if T-Mac a first ballot, Melo definitely first ballot. I, I just don't personally feel like he's first ballot. Hall of Fame, definitely. Does he deserve it? Yes. First ballot, no. I wouldn't. I don't think so, but I don't think the NBA would want to deal with the backlash of not putting him first ballot. But he's one of the most recognizable names, bro. And he was one of the best at what he did for so long. He didn't start um, going on this decline until, like, 2013. So from 03 to, like, 13 of 2014, he was still one of the best scores we had in our league, so you got to respect. And like I said, the NBA is not a hard Hall of Fame to get into, so he got to get in, man. First battle. If T-Mac can get in, T-Mac, Grant Hill, all the people I don't think should be on the edge. If they can get in, everybody should get in, man, especially Melo. Melo definitely first ballot. So you say he doesn't make a difference. 
No, I don't think he'll make that big of a difference. Maybe he'll help spread the floor a little bit better mm-hmm. um, to help them score and possibly give them like a good ten points a game. Uh, yeah. Unless he just proves ten points. That's it. Yeah, I, I don't think he'll average any higher than that. If he does, <laughs> that's great. Prove me wrong. Yeah, because he proved me right for the past few <laughs> years. I feel so it. I, I feel it. Prove me wrong in this scenario. Yeah. Please prove me wrong. Go twenty points if you can. Yeah, but if y'all haven't been keeping up with Portland, Portland is 4-8 and eight right now. They've been looking terrible. They're 13th in the West. At the bottom of the West is really um, it's, it's real cloudy. I think everybody under the eighth seed is like seven losses, eight losses. So a couple game winning streak, they can definitely be back in the playoff race, but now they're 13th. And if you have, like I said, if you haven't been keeping up with Portland, they can't play defense. And Melo cannot be a stopgap for your team, especially for Portland, if you cannot play defense. And I was watching something on NBA TV, and I don't forgot what game I was watching. And Greg Anthony or Isaiah Thomas was talking about how everybody is in open gyms like Harden and Russ are in open gyms, and they're getting their buckets and all that, but you never see anybody do defensive slides anymore. Why don't we practice the defensive slide? That's the fundamentals. Why don't we practice it? I want to see more of that, man. I need more Tony Allens in the league, man. Less Hardens. That's what we need in the league, man. We need balance. We have no balance now, man. So, um, I, I definitely agree with that. I feel like I, this all goes back to even the low management situations where I just feel certain things were better from, like, through the 80s through the early 2000s. Like, those eras of basketball were just so defense-oriented and just so old school. Yeah. I don't mind change. I understand, like, the league is going to change over time. It's not always going to be the same. And, you know, the, the floor is just so spread out now with the way bigs have to shoot threes now because of the way Steph Curry changed the game. But that doesn't can't play top-tier defense anymore. Like, yes, you have to play on the perimeter more than ever now, but still, I, I want to, like you said, I want to see that Tony Allen defense. I want to see that that Patrick Beverly defense, that Kawhi defense. Like, I want to see that type of defense get in your face, aggravate you, make yeah. you have to score on me. You yeah, know? So, man, we definitely I, need I more of that. that. We need balance in the league. We need more Tayshaun Princes, man. We need more of those. Tayshaun, Tayshaun is one of those people that recognizable name, man, that he didn't really give you much on the offensive end, but you knew what you were going to get every single night on the defensive end, man. And with Melo, you don't know what you're getting, period. And that's really the the conversation with Melo. You don't know what you're getting. Is Melo still in shape? Can he give you a bucket? Can you give you the buckets efficiently? And that's key in today's NBA. It's all about efficiency, man, and I don't think Melo can give you that. But it will be fun to see. I'm definitely glad to see him back in the league, though. I think he definitely should be on a team. He's definitely one of the, what is it? How many people in the NBA? 450? Yeah. So he's definitely one of the 450 best players in the NBA. So he should be in. But eh, is he going to be effective? I don't know. But the next topic was the Harden and Kawhi game that happened last night. Harden put up 47. Kawhi had put up 24 and 9 or something like that. But I just wanted to ask. Is Kawhi on it on track? Not Kawhi, but is Harden on track for MVP season? I think he is. He's definitely on track for it. I don't think he'll win it personally because you got people like Giannis out there in Milwaukee. Because if Giannis goes down, who who can you count on to say 
them Milwaukee Bucks can still make the finals if Giannis were to go down. And then you got LeBron in L.A. right now, and AD is out for the moment, so all eyes are all eyes are always on LeBron, but all eyes are definitely on LeBron right now in L.A. And, you know, all these other possible contenders for MVP at the moment, I, I, I just don't see James Harden having a concrete case on why he definitely would get it other than his scoring points per game, you know. His case would be that he's putting up historic numbers. Right now, James Harden is averaging 38 points, 5 rebounds, and 8 assists. Those are numbers I think James Harden should have won last year over Giannis. Because without James Harden, they would have been dead in the water last year. CP3 was hurt. They would have been a lottery team without James Harden last year. And James Harden was averaging 36. Nobody's ever put up 36 since Wilt way back in the 70s. And if James Harden keeps up with these numbers, 38, 5, and 8, he should win MVP. I understand that LeBron is balling. I understand that Giannis is balling. But he's putting up historic numbers right now, and he needs to be recognized. Just how um, Westbrook got his MVPs off the triple doubles, Harden needs to get his MVPs off these points per game and how he's keeping the Rockets afloat. Because if no Harden was on this Rockets team, I think they're a lottery team. Just Russ, this is a lottery team, man. I, I, I truly believe that. Truly, Even truly believe Clint that. Clint Capella doing what he's doing? Man, he's flaky. James Harden makes Clint Capella. Clint Capella can't give you nothing but rim run. He can't. He's not anybody you can throw the ball in a post to and give you a point. He he catching oops from James Harden or from Russell, whatever. So I think he made by Harden, man. Harden make Capella. So I don't think that team doing too much, man. You got you got solid pieces, but nothing to get you to the playoffs without a Harden, man, who's doing everything. So nah. But after the game, there was some uh, conversations going on post-game conferences between Westbrook and uh, I think he got asked a question um, about Patrick yeah, Beverly. He, he interviewed after the game. Yeah, he got interviewed after the game and was asked a question about Patrick Beverly. And he told the people, the interviewers, he said, Patrick Beverly, he be fooling the whole media, man. He, he ain't nobody special. He just be fooling y'all because he be doing all the hustling, all the running around, but he ain't doing nothing. So how you feel about that, man? Because I, I, might, I might agree, but how you feel about that? I mean... I agree in the sense that he definitely aggravates people. That's Patrick Beverly's gift. The, the defensive aggravation that he puts on offensive players. Like, I I totally agree with Russ in that regard. But to say he's fooling the media and he's fooling us into thinking he's actually a defender, no, I don't think that because Patrick Beverly definitely is a strong defender. He just knows how to get him people's heads he can get he got in KD's head in the first round of the playoffs this past season and they took the clip they took the Warriors six games and the Warriors were healthy and mm-hmm. a lot of that had to do with the strong defense that Beverly was putting on KD so mm-hmm. and how hard and how Westbrook tried to say Harden put up 47 on him that's not true most of the time when Harden scored last night was just off of um off of the uh, ISO plays that he did that weren't even on Beverly. Yeah. He only scored like four actual points on Beverly if you mm-hmm. don't include free throws. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't agree that he's just fooling everybody. I feel like he actually is a great defender, but he just knows how to hustle, run around, cause, him, cause a ruckus, and just aggravate players. Yeah, he's a pest. And I had um, looked at something. I think he was – I think he had Harden over six – 
I don't even think Harden scored on him. I think those four points might have been just free throws. He had four points? Yeah. Yeah, because he's... Yeah, because he was getting most of his points off of everybody else. He wasn't getting guarded by Beverly, like, in the clutch. And I was surprised, Hard, not Harden, but Kawhi wasn't guarding Harden. That was a matchup I really came into the game wanting to see. So why didn't I see that at all? He was in the corner guarding P.J. Tucker. Why was that? Yeah, now that I'm not sure of. I'm, I'm not sure on that. And it's crazy because a lot of times LeBron does that. LeBron James, as much as I love LeBron, LeBron tends to not guard the star player of teams a lot of times. And you saw that with Kawhi last night. He didn't, he, I don't even think he guarded Russ at all. He didn't guard. No, he was guarding P.J. Tucker. (laughs) He was guarding P.J. Tucker the whole game. And it's like, why, especially with you being one of the top defenders in the league and you being such a great two-way player, why are you not guarding James Harden like you just said? Yeah. And showing everybody that you are the claw. Like, yeah. you have that name for a reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that took away a lot of cool points from Kawhi for me, but he was still hooping out there. He had a couple clutch shots in the end, but Harden got the upper hand, definitely got the upper hand with 47, man. So shout out to Harden. The next uh, news is Gordon Hayward is injured, broke his left hand against the Spurs, I think, a week ago. And this really hurts me because I've been on the Gordon Hayward bandwagon since the beginning of the year. I knew he was going to have an all-star type of year. And he was in the middle of it right now. He, I don't know what he was averaging, but I know he was averaging something in the 25-5 and five range. So he was definitely getting off. But I want to know, are the Celtics still going to keep that number one seed in the West? They're on a nine-game winning streak right now. They lost their first game, but they won nine in a row. So do you feel like they can keep it up? I definitely think they could keep it up. The Celtics are definitely one of the two teams in the East that are almost guaranteed to make it deep in the playoffs and guaranteed to make it to the finals. So I don't see any other team in the what East. You, right what now. you just said? What you just said? To make it to the finals out of the East. Who was the other team? With Yonder staying healthy, Milwaukee. No Sixers? Oh, oh, oh my bad. I'm, I'm tripping. I'm tripping. Oh, I'm, boy. I'm still thinking about Giannis with the MVP thing. The 76ers and the Boston Celtics are the two teams that I have to make it out of the East. But I don't see Philly um, trying to fight for that first place seed at all. So I feel like the Celtics can definitely keep that seed if they continue playing the way they are and Kemba keeps clicking with everybody the way he's doing. Look, man, Kemba, I was just about to say that. Kemba is really the key, man. Kyrie was holding them boys back last year. I know Gordon Hayward was hurt last year and he was slowed down, but... Kyrie was holding them boys back, man. Kimba, they up and running. Jalen Brown getting off. Marcus Smart getting off. Tatum getting his. The team is coming together. And I think even without Gordon Hayward, Jalen Brown just came back from an injury uh, not too long ago. I think they will still keep the number one seed because the chemistry, the chemistry just feels so on point right now. So I think they can keep it up. Hopefully, Gordon, Hay- Gordon Hayward is going to be out for six weeks, correct? Yeah, I believe so. I think Six that's weeks, so that's a month and a half. And he's going to come back right. And it was his left hand, too. So ain't I don't gonna... know if it was as serious as Steph's hand injury, but he at least... I was about this. I, I, I'm glad you brought that up. Because this is how you know the Warriors are tanking. I think they got the same type of surgery. But Hayward is going to be back in six weeks. And Steph's going to be back in 12. They don't want Steph to come back soon. And it makes sense. I'm not blaming them or nothing. But they don't want Steph to come back. Until he's absolutely, completely healthy. Because he could have been back in something like a six to eight weeks. 
Because I think usually a broken hand surgery takes two months to recover. So Steph could have been back in two months, but it's going to be three. And it makes sense. I'm not blaming the Warriors at all. But that's something I just noticed. And another thing, how you feel about Wiggins, man? Wiggins been balling. I know you've been watching. Yeah, I I almost for, I didn't forget about Andrew Wiggins, but I definitely have not been paying attention to him until yeah. this season because, like you said, recently he's been going on a little streak where he's just he's he's all over the place. One night he's the main scorer, just getting buckets. The other night he's doing well with assisting and creating great defensive stops. So. I wouldn't say this is a breakout year for Andrew Wiggins, but this is exactly yeah, definitely a year that he's he's showing a lot of improvement over the past few seasons of what we've seen since he's gotten the lead. Exactly. Because look, I hate when people keep saying Andrew Wiggins breakout year. Andrew Wiggins broke out his first year. He won rookie of the year. We knew that he could be something. The problem we have with Andrew Wiggins is that he has shown no improvement. That has been the key problem. But now he has shown some type of improvement. He'll give you 20 one night, and then he'll give you two another night. That's the type of player Wiggins has been. But this year, he has had six games in a row with 25-plus points. And I think the key, because I watched a couple of their games, the key is that he they have him actually playing point guard now. So they have him and Towns in pick and rolls, and that's really freeing up Wiggins to do his thing in the mid-range. And that's the difference. They're having Teague off the ball, so Wiggins can do his thing. Last year and the years before, Wiggins was playing the two so he can do whatever he want. He just well, basically being the fifth guy because they, they just throw him in the quarter when he's not playing the point. But now he's on the point. He's on the ball. He's engaged. And he's doing his thing right now. But he's pump faked us before, Edgar. So let me know. Is he going to keep this up, man? I feel like he'll keep it up. I feel like this is going to be a year where he shows that he can improve and he can remain consistent. Because like you said, that's that's really been his problem, just not maintaining consistency. Exactly. So this will be a year where he'll average over 20, 22 points. He'll average over 22 points a game, I think. Do I think it's going to like be a monumental statement for the team that they could make a run or anything like that? No. I just feel like this will just be a personal achievement year for Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. And the biggest thing that a lot of people have with Wiggins, and it's definitely been a narrative around Wiggins, and I can definitely say I was a part of that narrative. He doesn't have a motor. But in these last couple of weeks that I've been watching the Minnesota Timberwolves, he has showed a little bit of motor toward the end of games. He got a little clutch gene. He's showing a little heart. His teammates are showing him love in the, in the huddles and things like that. So I'm starting to see a little more passion out of Andrew Wiggins than I've seen in the past. Usually he's that guy just floating on the court, but now I'm starting to see more engagement, and that's what I really wanted to see from Wiggins, man. Do I think he can keep it up? 25 points? Not really. I think he's going to come back down because I think it's the Timberwolves. I think they're going to mess something up. If you keep him at the point, he will keep doing this. But I don't think the Timberwolves will keep him coming up, um, playing the point. So that's if the it thing. Ain't broke, don't fix it. That's the thing. But Teague was hurt during this time. That's why they had him playing point. But Teague is now healthy. So are you going to go with Teague as your point guard, Jeff Teague, or are you going to ride with Wiggins? Like you said, I agree with you. If it's broke, don't fix it. But I think they're just going to go back to what they've been doing with Teague because Teague and Towns got a good connection. And Towns was getting off in the beginning of the year because Teague was getting off. But now Wiggins is getting the, um, the stats because he's getting point guard. So I don't know. 
it's definitely something to watch for the next couple of weeks. But definitely shout out to Andrew Wiggins because he's been balling, man. So shout out to him. Next has been the AD injury, Anthony Davis. He has a shoulder injury. So can he last a year? Because this is, this is what's known with Andrew, not Andrew Wiggins, but Anthony Davis. He gets banged up. He had the ticky-tack, the minor, um, the minor injuries that turn into major injuries. So can he last a year? I feel like he can with LeBron carrying the load opposite of him and the way that we, we have to remember that this year the Lakers are playing very, very good defense. And a lot of people have just started to notice that now that they're on the run that they are on. Mm-hmm. And the fact that everybody on this team is playing great defense. I think like six six or seven players on the team have made all NBA. So they have all NBA defense, whether you think the players on the roster are, are great or not. But everybody is playing a role well. JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard are playing their big man and spots well. LeBron is averaging high numbers and assists. The team is running so well oiled that I don't feel AD has any pressure to have to hurry up and heal and come back. I don't feel like when he comes back, he's going to have to just play super, super hard 100%. But he's not, like, out for, he's not out for a long period of time, though. He's just day-to-day, so he could come back next game. It's not a prolonged injury. Um, but that's why I said all that to say this. I said that to say he can take – I feel like at this point in time in the season, if he's hurt, he should take as long as he as he wants to to get better, to get better to where he can not have to worry about taking certain nights off for his health, you know, mm. just because of how well the team is going. But it's so a shoulder I, I injury, like though. Last year. And it's a shoulder injury, though, because I said it last – I think I said it last podcast about Ben Simmons, but he's uh, he came back this week. That slow uh, shoulder injuries recover slowly. So it might take a little bit of time. So can just the LeBron-led Lakers team keep you afloat in the in the Western Conference? Definitely. I don't think so. I definitely think it can because in the West, LeBron has been resting since basically April. So LeBron is just. This I don't know about that one, bro. He can't carry this team, bro. LeBron running straight off of rest juice right now, and he he don't plan on. He said to the media he doesn't plan on taking any low management games off. Oh, I know that. And he, he's not even playing. He's like fourth or – no, he's seventh in the league right now, I think, in minutes per game as to where like last season and the three, four seasons prior, he was like number one or two in minutes per game. So he's playing way fewer minutes now, and the team, the team is still producing and scoring efficiently without him having to be on the court. So I feel like he could definitely lead the team if AD can't contribute the way we know he but can. Like but you, but like you said, their defense has been top-notch, and that's the reason why they've been winning these games. If AD goes out, their defense goes down tremendously by a lot. So I don't think LeBron can keep his team afloat. If you put Dwight Howard or whoever, Kuzma, at that four spot, they're not giving you the same thing AD is, obviously. So I don't think he can keep them afloat if he stays out for a long period of time. That's I feel what like I'm saying. He'll be back soon, though. Oh I yeah, like that's what I said. It's day to day. But if he was to sit out for a long period of time, I don't think they're staying afloat in the West. Not at all. Not at all. But next is the Fizdale situation. This has really been the talk of the town. The first, uh, uh, the beginning of the week, like Monday, Tuesday. 
I think after Monday's game, the Knicks GM and the president of the Knicks basically threw Fizz under the bus. They said the team is not living up to expectations. And if you don't know, presidents and GMs do not have press conferences after the game. These dudes walked up into the press conference room, had a whole impromptu press conference, and set a spiel and threw Fizdale under the bus. What were your thoughts on that, man? I just, I don't agree with it because this entire organization. It's trash. Is just, yeah, it, this is a terribly run franchise and they're just looking for someone else to point the blame to. Exactly. And Fizdale, out of all people, is the last person that you should try to blame in this situation. Fizdale is a very good coach. I, I don't mm-hmm. think people is a very good coach. He's not great, but he's definitely not a trash coach. Like yeah. He's definitely a coach that if he gets fired today, he'll definitely be hired by tomorrow. Like He's definitely that type of coach. you know. So I don't think he's the reason for the Knicks' lack of success right now. It's just, this is just years and years of just terribly, terribly run business by the Knicks' front office. That Come back to the heat, Fizz. Come on back, bro. They don't love you out there on them regular streets, man. We love you down here in Miami, man. Come back, man. Jawan just left for Michigan. Fizdale, you can get your assistant coaching spot right back there on that bench, man. We love you down here in Miami, Fizz. Don't you forget, if you listening to Fizdale, we love you down here, man, for real. Them Knicks don't want you, man. They throwing you under the bus. They don't want you, man. Your team is... In a story today, actually... I think if I read correctly, the Knicks actually said they didn't choose to pursue Anthony Davis because they, Cap. it just didn't fit with the plan that they were going with with the young crew they had. So I'm just like, you just purposely chose to not go after AD just because he didn't fit the plan, the quote unquote plan that you had all along. You didn't get you didn't get KD, you didn't get Kyrie, and. Now you're letting the media know that you purposely did not even try to pursue Anthony Davis. But we right? know this with the Knicks, man. They stupid. They they were talking about trading Zion for AD. You don't do it. So I know now they would, first of all, that story is bull. They would have went after AD. They signed all them power forwards this uh this offseason. Trust me, they would have went after AD, man. I don't care what nobody say. They would have went after AD. AD wouldn't have went there, but they would have went after him for sure. So I think that story was bull, man. I don't care. That's something Jim Dolan or James Dolan came up with, man, and I don't believe it at all. I don't believe it at all. But they got their little win today. They beat the Mavericks this uh this uh, oh, an hour ago or something like that, man. So shout out to the Knicks. Shout out to Fizdale. Forget the Knicks. Shout out to Fizdale, man. Hold it down while you're there. Uh, next. Is a story about Dion Waiters. Dion Waiters ate an edible on the team plane. On the flight, I forgot what where they were going on the team flight. But he went to sleep. Edible in his system. He woke up. He had a seizure. So that's that's kind of crazy. I've never heard anybody have a panic attack from an edible. So this is my first time hearing about it. I don't know if it was yours. This jump was kind of crazy to see. I mean, they're, they're not uncommon. Like, I've, I've heard people say, like, if you, if you eat too many edibles, of course. But I thought he only ate, that's what I'm saying. I heard he only ate one, and he went into uh, this. When when they said he only ate one, I, I already knew they were probably fabricating the story. Ah, okay, okay, okay. I you, feel you, I feel you. You don't have the type of reactions 
he's been having like the falling asleep and like, yeah. the drowsiness and the like you said the panic attacks you don't get yeah. all of that just from one or two edibles like you really have to like eat edibles to have serious stuff like that happen to you yeah so our panic attacks go anyway mm. so just the fact that he purposely chose to do that before a game at that 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 just showed a, a true a true low level of maturity with him being such, exactly that's what such it is that's what it is yeah yes that's definitely crazy this was a funny story man because at first they didn't say anything about the panic attack so it was basically the story was the headline was Dion Waiters ate an edible edible on the team plane and he passed out so it was hilarious at first but then I heard he got a panic attack he had a seizure on the plane this that and the third I'm like damn Dion you going through all this so the heat suspended him for 10 games but for real, I think Dion is really going through something, man. Um, his brother died um, a few years back. I think he's still feeling that. He's not getting playing time with the Heat. So I feel like, I feel like it's a lot of things going on with Dion right now, truly. But uh, it's definitely a big blow to the Heat because we need his firepower off the bench. He's straight off the bench. I know he wants his little starting spot back. But I don't even think he's going to play for the Heat no more. He's suspended for 10 games, but I don't even think Pat Riley going to stand for this. Actually, I know for a fact. Pat Riley not gonna stand Pat for this. Riley. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, Pat, Pat Riley don't play, you know. Yeah. So Pat Riley is definitely the type of dude that you need to put the needs of this organization above silly. Yeah. Like Especially, like I said, with you being a vet and you being such a strong mental help off of the bench for these young guys, um, with Tyler Hero, Jimmy Butler coming into town, and uh, none. Like all of these players right now, your your mental is so helpful, and the fact that you're plaguing your mental with these with these substances that you're eating, like that that just shows that you just don't you're not focused. Your mind isn't where it needs to be with the team right now. So ten games, I feel, was a good suspension based off of what he did and how we tried to play it off and whatnot. So, yeah, uh, I I hate to see. Stuff like this happen, but you have to understand there's consequences for stuff like this. And going back to your point about multiple edibles, so now see now I can actually picture what you're saying. Because I was reading the story earlier and it was saying they think somebody from the team gave him the edible. And they were trying to find out who was giving them the edible. They was talking to Dion saying, Dion, who gave you the edible? Dion didn't snitch. But around the heat organization, they're trying to find out who gave him the edible, who out here passing things out and things like that, man. So well, we don't you know. have to remember they're they're in Miami, you know. Yeah. So they're one of the hottest cities in the in the country, basically the hottest city in Florida. Mm-hmm. And we all know the 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 culture of Miami when it comes to Drugs, just the period. lifestyle and yeah. the street life of how how it can how it's easy to get access to stuff like that mm-hmm. in a city like Miami with Liberty City and other places like that, you know. So I'm not surprised that he was able to get edibles. I don't think somebody from the team just gave him one. Now, if they did, then they the media was right going into that direction. Mm-hmm. But we, we can't just say the players are the only possible source of where he got that from, considering what city he's in. I'm not saying it was the... I don't, say, I don't think it was the only possible source, but that's what people around the Heat organization are saying. They think oh. somebody from that... Uh, who was on that team playing gave it to him. They don't think Dion came on the plane with the edible. That's oh, what I'm I saying. Think he went on, I think he went on the plane with the edible himself. I don't think any of the teammates gave it to him. Yeah. 
So, man, prayers up to Dion. Hope for a quick recovery. I don't think we're going to say uh, Dion anymore this year. Do you think his career is over? I don't think it's over based off of the chances that a lot of players get with certain things, especially stuff like substance abuse and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I don't think this is the end of him, but it's, it's definitely going to put a big dent in his relationship with Pat Riley and the Heat definitely. and possibly wherever he goes next if he gets picked up soon, if if he was to be let go. Definitely. And he was already having struggles trying to keep up with his weight because, you know, down in Miami, man, you got to be fit. That's the culture down here. And he wasn't staying fit. He was out of he came to camp out of shape. So he was already falling out of the rotation, man. So this doesn't make anything any better, man. But like I said, prayers up to Dion. Hopefully, hopefully he can get back on his feet. Before we go into the college basketball topic, I just want to give a quick shout out to the two rookie standouts that have really been doing their thing the past couple of weeks. And that is Kobe White from the Chicago Bulls and John Morant, who I picked for rookie of the year. During our NBA preview episode, he's been doing his thing too. And he's probably the leading candidate for rookie of the year right now. Been the most consistent. I think he's he been putting up 20 and 10s like consistently. I'll be seeing him, man. So shout out to John Moran and Kobe White. Definitely, definitely. So who do you have for rookie of the year? You go, you riding with y'all? John Moran is still my front runner. Mm -hmm. uh, my, my three before the season had started, my three picks for rookie of the year were John Moran, Tyler Hero, and RJ Barrett. I still definitely think John Morant is the front runner. I still like Tyler Hero to be the sneaky one to try and build his case for it. And RJ Barrett, I haven't really, RJ Barrett haven't, haven't really stood out to me yet. So I'm, I'm still gonna have faith for him in that regard because we, we still got. Did you pick him? You picked him, didn't you? I did. I picked him for the the third possible <laughs> option. It was Jaw, Tyler Hero, and RJ Barrett. So. Yeah, I'll drive with John. Actually, I was riding with Zion, depending on how many games he missed. But obviously, Zion don't miss too many games. Now, Ja doing his thing. So, I think it's Ja going to win it. But Kobe White, like I said, he just put up 29 a couple of days ago. He had hit seven threes in a quarter. And tonight, he had hit another 20-piece. And this is off the bench. Kobe White doing his thing off the bench, man. So, definitely shout out to them. Yeah, uh, Kobe White uh, on the 12th. Had 27 points, three rebounds, and an assist. Mm-hmm. And John and tonight, hit a John hit a game winner uh, yeah. two nights ago. Tonight, Kobe had 26 points against Milwaukee. Yep, yep, yep. Definitely doing their thing, so shout out to them. But now we're going to get into our college basketball segment of this podcast. The biggest news of this week was number one Kentucky losing to Evansville. How did you feel about that loss? Evansville is definitely one of those schools that I've probably never even heard of or I paid attention to. Yeah. And it, you said you have? Yeah, I have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've, I've never heard of Evansville. Not even going to lie. Not going to sugarcoat it. But I feel like this was just a game where Kentucky just underestimated their opponent. Definitely. Definitely lowered their standard of play to mm -hmm. their opponent. And everybody knows you don't do that. No yeah. matter how no matter how great you are, I don't care if you're undefeated at the moment, like never play down to your opponent because the moment you play down is the moment they play up. Yeah. And Evansville reminds me of Loyola Chicago of was it a year ago or two years ago? I remember yeah. one year they beat Florida in yeah, like one of the, that was two years ago. I remember Loyola Chicago beat Florida one of the first games of the season. I didn't know who was on that team. 
but they clapped Florida. They beat them like throughout the game, just like Evansville did to Kentucky. And I knew they were going to be somebody in the tournament. And Evansville is somebody you have to look out for during the NCAA tournament. I think they were picked ninth in the preseason conference standings. I don't even know what conference they're in. I just know Evansville because of Sam Cumcliffe. Uh, Sam Cumcliffe. I know Cumcliffe from Arizona State, and then he had transferred to Kansas. So I've been keeping up with him all over. He's definitely a good piece, and I think he had 20 points against Kentucky. So he was definitely doing his thing. So Evans, shout out to Evansville. Evansville is in the. Uh, they're in the. Um, what conference are they in? I'm looking right now. Yeah, I don't know where. I don't oh, know which one. Missouri Valley. The Missouri Valley. Conference. Missouri Valley. Who's in Missouri Valley? That used to be Wichita. I don't know who in Missouri Valley anymore. Uh, Missouri State. Missouri State. Illinois State. Drake. Illinois State. State. Okay. Okay, but yeah, like I said, they were picked the like ninth in their conference in the preseason rankings. But with this win, I think they're gonna they might win their the whole conference. And we might see them again in the tournament. So hopefully we do if they can pull off big upsets like this. So shout out to Evansville, shout out to that team, shout out to Cuncliffe. They all did their thing. Next, the big news from college basketball that just dropped today is that James Wiseman is sitting out until his trial is done. He is withdrawing his temporary hold that he had during Monday night's game. If you don't know, he played during um, the game versus Oregon. They lost, but he had a nice little game. But now he's going to sit out so he doesn't further um, any repercussions for his team. So how do you feel about Wiseman and him sitting out? I still don't like this whole situation. I'm still upset on the reason why mm -hmm. he has been um, forced to sit out, you know. And I just, I, I just really hate the situation. I hate the fact that the NCAA is calling coaches just helping their players who have already committed boosting. Like I, I just don't see how that's quote unquote boosting, you know, when the mm -hmm. player's already committed, he's already deemed a student, everything. But look. So, this is, this is what I'm going to say. So I was like, I don't know how much I'm going to take this back to college football. Because Chase Young took a loan and then paid his loan back to the quote-unquote family friend. If Wiseman did the same thing or Wiseman and his family paid back Penny, would he come back? Or could he come back? Because we know Chase Young got two games for his for his little um situation. So could it be a reduced... A suspension for Wiseman if he paid back that money? It's a lot of money because I think it's like 11 G's. So I'm pretty sure they wouldn't pay that back. But if he did, would he be able to come back? So that's a question that could come up. But I right feel like, I feel like it'll definitely be a different situation if mm -hmm. he paid it back. With Chase Young, you know, missing two games for football is kind of equivalent to missing like six or seven games. For, for college basketball, since you only play like 30-something games, you know. But he has the potential to be out the whole year. Well, that's true, too. So, yeah. I'm, I mean, it changes the situation if a player play, pays that coach or whoever the person is in that situation. It's different if the player pays them back. And also, I want to say this. The NCAA not slick because they gave Chase Young that little two-game suspension when they played Maryland and uh, played Rutgers. He gonna be back next uh, next week against Penn State. I'm glad he coming back, but the NCAA not slick. They know what they're doing, bro. Everybody think the NCAA don't want good games. They know what they're doing. 
So yeah, you want good games, but they still want to have control. Exactly. That's what I was getting they at. Don't need to have control. There are certain situations I don't think they need to be involved in, but they put themselves in anyway. Exactly. So, like said they just want to still make sure they get their money. Cause he missing two pointless games. They were gonna win those games with or without him anyway. So he exactly. come back. He comes back for the big game next week against Penn State. So shout out to Chase Young. He gonna be back. Uh, we have we're gonna have the full deal t- details of that on the next podcast when we get into college football. But the question I have for you is: Memphis still a dangerous team without Wiseman? They have nice pieces. They have a lot of freshmen. I think the seven of the nine people in their rotation are freshmen. So do they have enough to go to the tournament? To go to the tournament, I don't necessarily think so. I mean, you got Penny Hardaway as your coach, and he's a great defensive-minded coach, and he, he knows how to get the ball in the offense as well. So I, I trust the coaching part of it. But like you said, with majority of them being freshmen, unless they just learn how to just truly stand out and just show um you know a true freshman um, spirit, and all of them, I, I don't see them being a huge threat like they were with Wiseman on the court. A huge name to look out for when Wiseman and out when Wiseman goes out is Precious Achua. He was a five star coming into this year, and he's going to get a way bigger role now that Wiseman has left. He was playing the four. Now they're probably going to move him to the five. They got DJ Jeffries. They got nice pieces, man. They got Boogie Ellis. They still got a lot of good pieces on that team. I think they have enough to get them to the tournaments, especially in the American Conference. But James Wiseman is definitely going to be a huge hit. But going so back those to those tournaments, I don't think so. Getting to the tournaments, yeah. Winning what? Any of the tournaments. Oh, yeah. But I think they can get there, though. From that American Conference, I think yeah, they can. Yeah, yeah. They, they can definitely get there. Winning yeah. them, no, I don't see it. Yeah, yeah. Because I had them potentially being a sneaky per, uh, team. If Wiseman was still there, I think they could have been a sneaky Final Four team, but without him, I don't think so at all. But going back to the game, or like I said, Oregon beat Memphis 82-74, to 74, and Oregon had some, uh, definitely had some pieces, man, and I was impressed. We all know Peyton Pritchard. Uh, he was there. He's a senior now, man. The years are definitely flying by. Senior just like us. Uh, Pritchard was doing his thing. They got Mathis. Um, the one thing I wanted to say about Oregon, a lot of their pieces from last year left, and they're still reloaded. They still have Will Richardson from last year, but two key losses that you need to look for from Oregon. Lewis King had left, so if you keep up with Oregon, Lewis King was a big piece for them, and Kenny Wooten left, who was their center from last year. Those were two huge pieces. If they came back, Oregon would have been the number one team. I'm telling you now. Lewis King had ended up going second round in the NBA draft, and Cameron Wooten is playing for the Knicks right now or playing for their G League team. If they would have had those pieces, I can see Oregon doing something in the tournament. They're going to make the tournament, but I don't see them doing any damage. I forgot in the where Lewis King went to. Where did he go to? I think he went to the, 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 the Kings. I want to say the Kings. I don't even think he's playing for them. I think he's on their G League team right now. But he, oh, definitely, got, he definitely got drafted, though. But if he would have came back this year, he would have been a lottery pick. I don't know why he left. Lewis King was one of my favorite players from last year. He was about 6'10", 6'9", had a stroke. He's all from New York, too, so he had the saucy little game on him. Man, I don't know why he left. If he would, Like I said, if he would have came back, Oregon would have been a team to reckon with. But now, I don't know. They got Peyton Pritchard, who was solid. They got Mathis. They got Real Richardson off the bench. But I don't know if the team can get 
uh, Altman far in the tournament. But it'd definitely be fun to see. So how do you feel about Oregon coming into this year? I feel like they can definitely get the job done. I feel like they can make uh, a nice run for uh, a Final Four spot or even all the way to the championship if Coach Altman can uh, get them there. You know what I'm saying? I feel like with the way he's been coaching that program for a while, ever since he got there, I think he got there in 2010, I want to say. Yeah, something like that. Amount, something like that. Yeah, the amount of championships he's been to for like different tournaments or winning the Pac-12, the, the amount of years that he's won it, being there, I feel like he can definitely instill filling those boys to make it far into the tournament and be a surprise team that certain people might not be looking at. You know, everybody looks at the Blue Blood teams and yeah. uh, look at a team like Ohio State surprising everybody this year. They, Ohio State is sometimes a sneaky team that you never really know. Are they going to do it this year? Or are they going to do it this year? But Oregon is definitely a team this year that I feel like can pose a huge threat. And I feel like Coach Altman, with his winning record and his knowledge and the amount of wins he's secured with Oregon, I, I trust them to be a team that will definitely look out for when the time comes for the tournament. Yeah, Oregon always has solid pieces. They always have people like Tyler Dorsey, Dylan Brooks. They have, they definitely have players, definitely league players too, coming through their system, man. So they have players every year. But does he use? He usually doesn't get over that hump to the Final Four. He's usually an Elite Eight type of coach. Because I think last year they lost in the Sweet Sixteen. So that'd be interest, uh, interesting to see. But uh, I gotta say it, man. I gotta get into my Gators, man. Unfortunately, the Gators, the number six Gators last week, lost to sorry FSU, man. Once again, I think this is for the sixth straight year. I'm getting tired of it. Mike White tighten up, man. I think Billy Donovan had some of those losses too. But Mike White, you got to get right, man. You got to get right. Leonard Hamilton been spanking you for four years in a row. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of losing to Florida State in basketball, especially when we better than them. I'm tired of losing them, man. Jesus. Man, man, man. But good game to Florida State. I can't take nothing away from them. They spanked us. They definitely did. But, man, I thought my Gators was better than that, man. How you felt about the game? Yeah, I, I feel the same. You know, it's it's basketball. Football is one thing. You know, it's all. That's what I'm saying. Football, something else, man. <laughs> football, something else. But we better than them. Football, totally different. But yeah. basketball, ain't no excuse for us to lose to them in basketball. Yeah, man. So, my Mike White, he just like you said, he got to tighten up. Like this, that happened too many times recently, mm -hmm. and we, he he has no excuse. You know, being a being a Florida coach, winning over sixty seven percent of his games. And finding a way for Florida to always be a contender in the tournament, you know, I, I just feel like you have to figure out a way to understand the, the scheme of these teams. Like, you've played this team enough mm -hmm. to understand, even with different rosters, you play them enough to understand the usual plays they go through, who they run through, what, what position do they spread the floor through and run through the most. How, how does the opposing coach usually um, make but, their game but, play? But. This is something I will say about uh, Florida State. They got a lot of length. They got a lot of boys over there that six seven, long Man, arms, and they can you know can disrupt. So that's how they usually beat us. But they didn't got they don't have anybody special though, and that's why I'm mad. Cause we losing the teams with no special players, and we got special players. So it's just like. Uh. I don't know, man. It's, it's just tough. I don't know. It's, it's, it's I, tough. I be watching the um, post-game conferences, and I'm just like, y'all y'all have to come up with better excuses on why y'all 
either can't produce the wins or almost lose guaranteeable wins. Like you, you have to figure out different ways to understand why you're not playing to the level that we know you can play with the talent that you have. Yeah, and not only did they lose the FSU last week, we dropped the number 15. And what happened today? Oh, we almost lost to Townsend. They tried to pull up Evansville on us. Townsend, I don't even know who Townsend has. I was watching the games. It was a minute left, and the game was tied 60-60. to 60. Why are we in a game with Townsend? We got too much talent, man. It don't make no sense. It don't make no sense. We in a dogfight. I know Townsend came there hungry, ready to slap some heads, but it's no way. We supposed to be in a dogfight with Townsend. Something is going on. Because I had some high expectations for this team, and I'm losing faith. I know it's three games into the season, but I'm losing faith, man. I had high hope for this team, man. I did, man. I'm not losing faith yet, but they, they're definitely looking real sketchy right now. I had high hopes for them, too. You know, coming into the season. Before the season started, they were ranked number, number six. Six, six yeah. yeah we, we had a top ten ranked football and basketball program, and now we we sliding down basketball-wise. So, this is just this is hard to see. Our next upcoming game is against Connecticut, St. Joseph's, and Marshall. Those are our next three Connecticut games. finished smash. I can already feel it. And Connecticut got a squad. We, we play away at Connecticut and St. Mm. Joseph's. And then we come back the day after Thanksgiving for Marshall. So, Man, what I've been seeing, the girls' basketball team for UConn can smack, probably smack up on Florida, what I've been seeing, man. It's, <laughs> oh, bro, it's, it's ridiculous, man. It's, it's tough to be a Florida Gator right now. That's what I'll say. But I, I'm still rocking with them, man. I, that's still my team, but it, these first couple games. I think they will be better when the conference play starts in January. They will be a better team. But I'm not impressed by what I'm seeing in the early season. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. But now we're going to get into the baseball. And I'm on Eggert to spearhead this topic because he has more information on it. So, Eggert, going to the Astros scandal, man. It's been reported recently that the Houston, and there's been video evidence of this, that the Houston Astros have been accused of cheating. And I, I'm trying to figure out the best way to use this term. Basically, they've been recording the pitchers and recording mm-hmm. the catchers to understand how how to get hits and get wins against these teams, especially in the American League mm-hmm. and uh, well, the National League. I should say they're in the National League. But, no, they're in the AL. They're in the AL. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, there's been a video that's come to the surface recently against. I think they were playing the Yankees in this one game, mm-hmm. and you can hear them anytime the the, the catcher made his signals for a changeup. It was a changeup. Yeah, a changeup. He you could hear a bang noise mm-hmm. on the side on the dugout of the Houston Astros. And anytime he gave a certain call, they would hit they would bang the wall so the batter could hear so he would know how to swing before the pitch came. Yeah. And they learned how to do that by secretly recording the pitcher and catcher of the opposing team. And mm-hmm. you're not supposed to do that. Um, everyone in the MLB understands that you're allowed to learn and under you're allowed to learn opposing teams' call signs, and you're allowed to you're you're allowed to basically quote unquote cheat as long as you don't use technology. Yeah. If you can, if you on your own with your own eyes or ears 
if you can understand or peep how certain players act or certain calls they give before certain plays without the use of technology, that's fine. But in this scenario, in 2017, I think it was a playoff game, too. The Houston yeah. Astros were caught and I, using a recording device. Yeah, and I watched that video, man, and, and it was obvious. It's like when the, uh, the catcher made a signal, it's like the bangs were coming instantly. So you can obviously tell it was like a camera or something that was uh, aimed at the catcher's hands or whatever. So you could tell, and it was quick. And it was quick information to everybody. They banged on the wall. The batter can hear everything that's going on. And the pitcher can tell too. I think um, one video, it was a regular season game. Edgar was talking about the playoffs, but I was watching video on a regular season game, and the pitcher had through like four or five pitches, and he kept noticing it. And he had ended up talking to um, his catcher, saying, we got to switch it up because I hear something every time I throw a changeup, I hear a bang. So they had ended up changing their signs or whatever. So it was definitely a big deal then. But the big question is, is it still a problem today? Are they still doing it now? And that's there something that we don't know. players and baseball fans tweeting throughout the day today on, on Twitter saying that there there's no way that this was only happening in 2017. If yeah. the problem is just now being brought up, no way. that means this, per, this problem has definitely been going on ever since yep. then. Yep, yep, yep. But they probably got more slick with it, though. Instead of banging on the wall, they probably whisper something that got some type of technology in the helmet or something. I don't know what they got now. But, but it's just, this is hard to believe that the Houston Astros have stooped to that level based off of the past two, three seasons that they've had of not, of recently not winning the uh, World Series. You know, yeah, not winning the World Series against the Nationals with uh, Topman making those remarks against the women in the media um, mm -hmm. about Osuna, yeah. with them actually taking back Osuna when he violated the MLB no domestic violence policy. It, all of this is just not looking good for the Houston Astros, and their organization just really needs to find a way to clear all this mess up yeah. and just show a complete 180 turn in the way they're running their business right now because now you have people – you, you have a domestic abuser. You have people who are proud to have the domestic abuser on the team. And now your team is getting accused of cheating with evidence yeah. of the cheating. So and they're starting to get and they're starting to get a little bit of a reputation like the Patriots or something, man. They starting to throw that little cheating out there. The Patriots had a little murder on their team. They got a domestic abuser. We see some similarities here. But the Patriots sneaky with their junk now. The Patriots got a little sneaky. They usually don't get caught, except with Spygate and them Deflategate. I know the Patriots done did a lot more dirty junk underneath the rug, but the Astros, they done got caught, so I don't know if they're going to get any type of trouble. I'm pretty sure they're not. Uh, you heard anything about that? Uh, I'm not sure. I haven't really heard too much on what the repercussions are going to be. Yeah, because the story just came out a couple of days ago. I'm pretty sure there's not going to be repercussions. It's probably just going to toss it up to the wind. They're just going to probably say it would happen in 2017. We stopped doing it, yada, 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 things like that. But it's not going to come anything. Nothing is going to come from this, I don't think. So the Astros can just keep going about their business. But it was definitely, definitely stunning to see uh, how technology has come to this point where people are cheating on uh, signs. And like Edgar said, you can definitely steal signs, but doing it with technology is like, damn, extra, extra, extra wrong. Edgar, do you have any last words to say before we get out of here? Uh, 
no, this was just a really great episode. I like the fact that we got into depth with a lot of big news that went on this week. Uh, I Once again, let me say this now. I hope Carmelo does good, but if he does not, please understand that I've seen this coming and I tried to warn y'all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So give me a prediction, man, before we head out. Any any basketball-related things, give me some predictions or a, oh, a prediction. Who going to do good? Who going to do good? I like Florida to go 3-0 and in their next three games. That'll be my man, goal. Oh, and man, how they looking, man. I probably got Florida losing on Sunday in stores to Connecticut, man. But uh, uh how I'm feeling, how I'm feeling, how I'm feeling. I feel like Fizdale going to play out the rest of the year in New York. I feel like New York got enough backlash for trying to fire him. I think they're going to end up keeping Fizz for the rest of the year and maybe do something at the end of the year. I don't think it'll be anything during this season, though. I think he's going to play out his time. They got a good win versus the Mavericks today. So we can see where um, this win takes them. They got a hard schedule coming up, though, so they're probably going to go on like a five, six-game winning streak. But the team is not good. That's, that's the point. So Fizdale should still be the coach of that team. He's a good coach. Like Edgar said, not great, but he's solid. He gets the job done. We've seen it in Memphis, and we've seen it at times with the Knicks. So I just say fear stand for the whole year. But this is the end of the podcast. I want Edgar to hit y'all with the social media before we get out of here. You can follow us on Twitter at QEPodcast1, and you can follow us on Instagram at Q underscore and underscore E underscore podcast. Yes, and you can follow me on Twitter at Q underscore Hicks3. You can follow Edgar on Twitter at EdgarMartin97. Follow him on IG at EdgarMartinOfficial. And uh, before we head out, also, I wanted to say we have started um, a Gmail. So if, if you have any questions, you can hit us up on the social media. You can hit us up with email. Our email is podcast at gmail.com. So if y'all have any questions that y'all want us to answer, man, anything, just hit us up with the social media or the email. So that's it. But we just want to say thank you for listening to the Q&E podcast. We appreciate you listening, and we're out. Peace.